Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He is Spencer Penny Strode. That's right, Penny's back. I am Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Your 24-31 and 31 Orlando Magic are coming back from the All-Star break. Can the results of a dunk contest bond a team together? I don't know. We're going to find out. Let's go. Penny, we got a lot of catching up to do. We'll talk about all-star stuff in a bit, but uh, you know, the Magic, they, despite all the god-awfulness of play and whatnot, they somehow did finish January 7 and 8, um, which is, sadly, the best month they've had since Dwight was in a Magic jersey. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get to, we got, we'll have some questions later on and kind of what we're hoping for down, down the stretch as we get to the finish line of this very intriguing season. Um, so the Magic, so between since I came back from L.A. and now, the Magic signed Gary Clark to not just the second 10-day contract, but they signed him to the you know a contract for the rest of the season. Right. Um, he's been okay in 12 games. His best game was the Laker game I was at at Staples Center. But, I mean, he's shooting like 38% from the field, which isn't good, and he's shooting 31% from the three, which isn't good, good. But I guess, I mean, he's stretching the floor out, I feel like. A little bit better for guys like Ross. I don't know. Maybe there's no difference. He's got to start knocking them down here soon. Um, the bigger one is uh, the James Ennis trade that happened at the trade deadline. So, I'll be honest. Who were you expecting to get traded or were you not expecting much and this small move was kind of what you had up your sleeve? Yeah, I think I wasn't expecting a lot of activity. I think we both kind of had it pegged for the draft or the summer. I thought year. Fournier was getting traded. I really did. Right. I, I really thought he was getting traded. His 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 value is as good as it's going to get because you're either going to have to re-sign him for over $20 million a season, which I sure shit don't want to do. Right. Or you're going to have to find a way to sign and trade them, which might be on the table because there's only like five teams out there that could actually sign them, basically, in the offseason. True. And I, I can't remember the last time the Magic did a meaningful sign and trade. I feel like we'd have to go back to like the mid-2000s, maybe. The last something. time there was a meaningful one is when we brought in Grant Hill. Right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, we yeah we were the ones that, yeah. that had to get involved with that. But Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I, I stopped you. Well, there, regarding... But. Ennis, I, it's uh, something for nothing in the same vein as last year's trade deadline, right? But I have a feeling that he could play the Michael Carter-Williams energy spark role. It's It's been kind of... So what you're saying is we, kind we, of a we, we're, cloning, we're cloning MCW right. and it's actually going to be a good thing. Okay. Right. Um, now, look, MCW, he's been actually pretty decent with Augustine out. It's He's still shooting not great, but he's actually racking up the stat sheet. Unlike last season, where it was just energy plays and stuff, yeah. he's actually like he's hitting double figure scoring a lot, he's like rebounding the shit out of the yeah, ball. Yeah, it's now. it's crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, the thing with and probably the biggest surprise with the trade deadline for me was that the Sixers wanted to actually trade with us again, <laughs> considering you know we've had Markel Fultz for a year and that's turned out pretty good for us. And you know the Sixers are going to end up with no first round pick from us. Um, Jonathan Simmons hasn't played basketball in the NBA and since last year, basically. Yeah. And we traded Ennis for basically what's going to end up becoming the 59th pick in the draft, unless the Lakers fall off a cliff right. because we traded the Lakers second round pick. 
So it's going to end up being probably about 59th. And the Magic, what we all what we know about the Magic is once you get above 20 in the first round, and then once you get above like 45 in the second round, we don't care about those picks. So whether that's good or bad, yeah. I'll leave that to anyone's interpretation. But Weldham clearly don't care for those picks. So basically the Magic got James Ennis for free. And hey... We're two and zero with him when there he plays. Two and zero, we are. You know that it was very important to finish somewhat strong going into the All Star game, even though I almost had a heart attack during the Pistons game, yeah. um, and maybe kind of even the, the Atlanta game a little bit. But um, you know, two and zero going into to the break. Um, I'm. We'll talk about schedule in a bit because. I think Magic fans or just even Magic media in general are focusing too much on the Magic having one of the easiest schedules to finish the season. It's not that easy, trust me. Especially when you're playing as inconsistently as this team's been. Yeah. So, but I mean, Ennis, especially in the in the Detroit game, I mean, he's I mean, in the Atlanta game too. Both games, I mean, he's averaging like six and a half points per game. He's played like 13, 14 minutes per contest so far. But you notice him when he's on the court. He's I out mean, there, yeah, and yeah. he's clearly playing for a contract in coming this summer because he's most likely. Well, I don't know. Would you pick up your two million dollar player option if you're James Ennis in the summer? Uh, I, I wouldn't. I, I would. I would bet on myself and the kind of lax free agent. Uh, options available yeah. this year, yeah. I mean, Fournier's basically going to be like a top five option this summer, almost. Yeah. So, um, not to say Ennis is going to be like a top fifteen option, but when you're making as little money as he is, but, you you can easily get signed to like a partial MLE or something or yeah. something like that, which more than doubles what you're making right now. So we'll see how Ennis is going to do, but I think this is a good this is a good deal, and we'll we'll find out. Um, I don't want to bring up the Nick game other than uh, Steve Clifford's now famous uh, stupid motherfuckers gif that's and meme that's gonna be tied to him probably forever as long as probably as long as all the Thanos uh, Marvel type memes that go on with him. Um, it what it hasn't been a good time for the refs in general in the NBA, but I mean the Magic have been hurt by a couple calls this season yeah. in a couple games that definitely resulted in Magic losses that probably would have resulted in Magic wins had it had it gone the other way. I, I do hate the inconsistency when it comes to, okay, Steve Clifford criticizes the refs, yeah. even though it was just, he gets fined 25 yeah. grand, but players like Dame Lillard are saying even worse stuff almost and not getting fined at all. Well, that's what we talked about uh, off air or off the off the recording, I yeah. guess, previously. It's like, how do, you, how do you not rescind a fine when... You're admitting to fault, like the the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It doesn't. It seems like you're getting punished double first by really losing the game, and then secondly, pocketbook a little lighter. Maybe too. if the stupid motherfuckers thing doesn't go out, maybe he actually right. doesn't get fined. Yeah. But um, no, I mean those those last two wins though against the Hawks and the Pistons, they're they were huge. I thought because you'd lost seven of your last eight going into that Atlanta game, and. I mean, we'll talk about the standings now, but looking behind you, you got the Wizards now that are three games back at you because yeah. Bradley Beal is all angry and he wants to now make the playoffs all of a sudden. Also, the Wizards are a fun team, which good for them. I wasn't expecting that. They play zero defense, but they're a really fun team. And then, uh, you know, in front of the Magic, they have the Brooklyn Nets that are in seventh, the seventh spot. Two games in front of Orlando. Big Kyrie news. Big Kyrie news. I guess his shoulder is wrecked. And so he may or may not play another game this season. 
Mark Stein threw that out there. I don't know. I sometimes they play better without him, but no. I mean, look, Brooklyn was you know were seven and three in their last ten games. So they not only caught up to the Magic in the standings, they obviously surpassed them because they're two games up above them. And we'll see. Maybe the Magic can reel them in. I don't think they'll catch up. The Magic have any shot at catching up to a six seed, um, even though the Pacers have been struggling with Victor Oladipo coming back. Indiana's eight games in front of the Magic. That's I, that's big. That, yeah, I don't think that's happening. The Ma- even if the Magic were to go on like a twenty-two to nine similar run like they did to end last season, like this isn't happening. Yeah. I, it's you're, it, it would be a ridiculous collapse that would be needed for the Magic to catch up the six. Um, all right, you want to jump into this? Well, okay. Before that, we get to the All Star Weekend stuff. Okay. Um, do you think Jonathan Isaac is out for the remainder of the season? I I, I do. Um, and we had talked about, I think, on the last podcast about kind of reframing or redefining the expectations of a positive and successful season. Um, and, and based on where the Eastern Conference is, I think, you know, the, the goal was what? Probably 44, 45 wins. And, and I mean, I had it a five, little bit above that. But yeah, right. I mean, you wanted to yeah. get above the seventh seed, I, basically. I, yeah. Your goal now is to, number one, make, make the, playoffs, the playoffs, which is, I, I can't see how that doesn't happen. Number two is to, at all costs, avoid Milwaukee. Um, and then number three, aside from those two things, is to hopefully push up to 42 wins again. Um, I, I don't think that at this point in the season or at this point in the way that the season has gone, mm-hmm. that it's worth risking any additional long-term health to bring Jonathan Isaac back for essentially the same thing he experienced last year. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, and it's, it's tough to go into medical terminology when it comes to what the knee injury that he's got, but it wasn't bad enough that the NBA, you know, the NBA didn't give the Magic a disabled player exemption for him. They right. only gave the four point six million or whatever it was for Aminu, who's definitely out, um, you know, for the rest of the regular season. And so I think that left the door open. People are pointing at some of the radio interviews that Weltman did um, with like Scott Inez and you know on the you know, ESPN five eighty or like uh, the ninety six point nine uh, the game radio station. I heard those interviews. Weltman didn't say anything definitive, I don't think. He 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 kind of secretly left the door open to where he literally he doesn't expect it, but just because he doesn't expect it doesn't mean it can't happen. So I think it, a lot's going to depend on how the team's looking. Well, it's going to depend on a few things. Isaac's knee is supposed to get reevaluated in March, sometime in March. Now, whether they decide to just push it off entirely, I mean, or keep it private or something, I don't know, but um, I mean, his niece is going to get re- reevaluated in March, whether we find out, hey, everything's okay now, you know, maybe, you know, he might show up in April, we'll see, or, you know, they keep that entirely secret and we don't hear anything about it till right. like summer league or something. So, um, so that's all I wanted to get to with that. I, I do, I, I wouldn't count out Isaac. That's all I'm going to say. Um, back to James Ennis real quick. You're yeah. going to miss Emil Jefferson? Jefferson? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm, but I'm happy that he got some money before, you know, he got mean, some money. Yeah. It's, you know, he'll, he, if he wants, he can hang around Lakeland again. Yeah. Um, you know, long-term or not, it's, he's not an NBA guy. And if he is, he's a undersized center at best, not what the magic wanted to be, which is basically like a third power forward. That's, yeah. that's just not happening. Um, I will say one of the good things with NS so far with the NS uh, trade at the moment is that. Uh, Wessel Wundu started the two games that he's played in, 
And so I'm hoping Birch stays on the bench permanently as you know, a, a, as a backup, even if it's a backup power forward, because you're playing next to a guy like Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba, like you basically alternate. Bamba can be the offensive power forward because right. he spreads the floor, and Birch can be the offensive center, and then on the other end it can be you know reverse or whatever. It's I just don't want to see Kem Birch play power forward. It's been screwing him over. Yeah, it hasn't been fair to to him, and obviously he's not going to turn down the the role. Right? No, I mean but, you get minutes, yeah, but he know. I mean uh, it, deep down he knows it's like fuck. Yeah. This isn't my position. And and even so, even not even not playing out of position, it's been a little bit of a down year for him too. So that kind of sucks. Yeah, and some of it he he's been trying to develop a bit of an offense for further than five feet, and that's why his percentages are down. But you're, I mean, some teams have figured out that, oh, this guy can't shoot. Like, he can set the greatest screen in the world, but if we leave him wide open near, near anywhere near the top of the key, like, right. he's not going to do anything. So, uh, so that's it for that. All right, let's get into All-Star Weekend. Okay. Um, do, you, do you agree with me that Aaron Gordon got robbed in the dunk contest? Well, I, here's, here's a funny thing that's not funny. So I, I did watch, obviously, the slam dunk contest. <laughs> I'm surprised you could admit this, and but I, yeah. So... I'm I'm watching on the on the Roku. Yeah. And I'm trying to transition from the living room to the bedroom. Right. See the way the Roku is set up is you got one in the living anyway. Anyway. So I I stay around, I stay around, I stay around, it goes to overtime, essentially. A little dunk off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which it shouldn't have gone to to begin with. No. Alright. The second that he yams it over Taco Fall, I flip it off. Yeah. Like it's... that's a fifty. How's that not a fifty? Yeah. I go to bed. I wake up to, to a group message for me that that Aaron Gordon got robbed, and I go, well, I, how how did he lose when he had more points than Derek Jones Jr.? You go, no, 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 he got a forty-seven on the Taco Fall, but it's 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 incomprehensible. Yeah, it's oh man. So, all right, laying out the stage going in, I actually thought Dwight was gonna win just because of the Kobe thing, which he got a 49 for the Superman dunk because of the Kobe thing. Here's a question for you. Okay. How, and I want you to be honest, uh-huh. how long did it take you to realize that that was Jameer Nelson tying the cape on him? Because I'm going to, it took me a couple Wait, minutes. did he put the cape on him though? That was Jameer Nelson out there. See, there's some shoddy camera work because uh-huh. I don't physically, I don't actually see Jameer's face until he's walking off after the dunk. I thought the camera work yeah. was bad. Yeah. Also, they not, they did not mention that it was Jameer Nelson until post-dunk. Yeah, well, I, I think some of those people yeah. don't recall right. who he is, Rolled which is too. crap. I, and I also feel like he could have got a little bit better toss for the Superman dunk. He had, a, he had more elevation, he had more power that he could have displayed, and it was a very regular dunk, although the still frame-like comparison shot did turn out pretty cool. So, I actually think this pass was, if not as good, if not better, the problem is... Because th- I'm pretty sure Dwight told him how to where he wanted it. Right. Dwight's taking off from a lot closer. He that's did. the difference. He did. That that's a big difference. And obviously this time he didn't throw the ball through. He actually grabbed a rim. Which for all the right. crap that yeah. he's gotten about, oh, it's a layup. It's not a dunk. Right. Clearly a thrunk is a lot better than what that was. Yeah. Still a solid dunk. The man's got his hops back. He lost weight. His back's healthy. He hasn't completely shat himself in the Lakers locker room yet. He's he's been doing okay so far with I, that. I will say too, the first dunk, if you look at it, it was actually pretty damn good. It's uh, anything that he does as a six eleven guy. First of all, it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing, no. but it's very athletically impressive. So I actually thought his miss was better than his make because on his miss, 
he holds the Statue of Liberty pose a lot better than the make, yeah. I thought. Like, his arm is in a better position. Also, again, camera work, the angles didn't help him out, I don't think, yeah. in that. Like, if you think... Like, especially with the Superman dunk. Like, you remember when we first saw the Superman dunk, the angle was, like, from behind? So right. you don't realize he actually throws it down. Yeah, you, yeah. You think he's like, oh, it's a, it's an actual like full on contact dunk. Like, how the hell did he get his hand on the rim? Yeah. Until you see it from the reverse angles. But by then, everyone's impressed and yeah. going nuts. So again, I call bullshit on camera work. <laughs> um, Derek Jones Jr. and Pat Connaughton were obviously the other contestants. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. And I said it during the contest. Yeah. I thought Connaughton should have been in the final with Aaron, not Derek Jones Jr. Because I think both his dunks were very clean. Like, his first one, the white man can't jump, he got on the first go. Yeah. And he got deducted more... He got... Dedu- I mean, he got a lower score than Derrick Jones Jr., which we're going to talk about... I'm going to talk about Derrick Jones Jr. a little bit now, but that dunk he had over Adebayo... Or, uh, yeah, Bam Adebayo... Yeah. Was, ...was crap because <laughs> because he's literally pushing off he, he off did. his shoulder. He like did. Full-on push-off. And and people can talk about uh, Chance the Rapper being small, which obviously he's smaller than Adebayo. He's like 5'10", five, 5'9". Look, look at every single, and I don't know what that's called, I'm very white, I can't jump. But obviously, you know, the, the, the jumping over somebody where they hold the ball. Look at everybody else complete that dunk. Connaughton, Jones Jr., they push off the ball. Yeah. Right? And and he pushed off Adebayo too very visibly. When Aaron Gordon does the same dunk, are you talking about Taco? Over Taco, over Chance, over Stuff. Right. He doesn't press down on the ball, and he doesn't press down on the no. shoulder. He scoops the ball as he's gliding over somebody. I, I would say for the Taco one, he, he, there's a slight push off, only because. But the thing is, he's already taken off. Right. He's already in the air. Now, unlike unlike right. Derrick Jones Jr., who he's he's just taking off as he's as he's vaulting himself over out of bio. And if you want to get into the specifics of it too, he didn't clear seven foot five of Taco Fall, right? Because he's hunched or whatever. But he cleared his entire body, and the only body contact is with his hands that he left up afterwards because he didn't get out of the way. He he cleared his head easy. That's pretty goddamn impressive. Yeah, and look, the big controversy with the Aaron Gordon thing, too, is he wanted Shaq. If, if it's Shaq who's 7-2, he clears him. Yeah. His shorts don't touch his head. He clears him. Because, he, because look, Taco, they say 7-5. He's like 7-6, seven, 7-7 seven, seven in shoes. He yeah. is. So if he's leaning down a little bit, ducking a bit, what do we give him, 7-5, seven, 7-4, seven, something like that? So if Shaq's doing the same thing, he's at 7 feet. Yeah. I mean... A A G clears him. He does, and so and and someone had pointed out online that if Taco puts his pulls his hands down too and doesn't right. keep his hands up, yeah, it's not as obvious. No, it's too. very clean. It's it's really clean after that. Yeah. So, but I thought Connaughton, his second dunk was awesome. Connaughton's second dunk where he goes over over Dedekumbo and. Push, puts the ball up against the glass and then dunks it. Yeah, that was great. I, I, and I think he got a fifty, which is fine. But because his first score wasn't great, couldn't have no mathematical he, he, chance. He was mathematically yeah. out against Jones. So, yeah. um, I thought I thought Connaughton should have been in the final to begin with. But I, I'll be honest with when it comes to Aaron's first dunk, I didn't think that was a fifty. 
because it wasn't it wasn't clean in my mind how the way he he, he was uh, going up and whatnot. But the judges gave him a fifty, and the crowd loved it. So he had the crowd, he had the judges initially. Yeah. And so once he had that fifty, I'm like, oh man, he's he might rack up a ton of them, which he did. He racked up five fifties in the damn thing. I, to be honest, five straight fifties never happened before. His first dunk, something that had not yet been seen in the dunk contest, so probably why it earned him a fifty. I agree. I didn't think that watching it the first time that I thought it was a perfect dunk, but when you set the precedent there, you, the rest are all 50s and there's no debate. And it, I mean it, it I mean four of his he had four dunks that he had never done before basically. Right. And then Taco being the fifth one cuz no one's jumped over a 7 foot 5 guy before. So, um, you know, he 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 planned on four dunks. He should have planned on more considering he got <laughs> fucked in 2016. Um, which I think you and I both agree. Again, he should have won in 2016 because yeah. Levine ended up doing the same dunk over and over again. As which, did Jones. As did Derek Jones yeah. do. Did the same dunk over and over again. Yeah. So, um, obviously, Derek Jones Jr. got the 48 on that last overtime dunk. People were kind of upset, but I don't even know why you would be. It should have been even a lower score in my mind because, one, we've seen that windmill before by a couple people roddy white's done it um or not roddy white james white sorry i was thinking football for a second um zach levine's obviously done it where he's gone between the legs and done it right um uh, jones does the windmill a full foot inside the free throw line it looks nice but even even like his body language after he completes it he knows he didn't do what he wanted to do right and yet you know he gets a 48 so i'm thinking okay it's setting up for aaron to win and then once the 47 happens, and I spot Scottie Pippen looking in disbelief. I didn't know what Common's facial reaction was at the time, but people have gone back and in, back into it. Um, you know, if you look on Twitter, you know, uh, Rob Perez, Wob, uh, or Wob, however you want to call him, um, he does like the Zapruder film, basically, yeah. uh, review where it's clearly Dwayne Wade's the guy who, who screwed Aaron, which. I don't even agree to the whole judge collusion for a tie to begin with, but you got to be a little bit smart in that situation. Not let the guy who was Derek Jones' teammate be the decide potentially be the one to screw it over. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really frustrating. I appreciate uh, Candace Parker uh, defending Aaron a lot. Um, she even like basically you know outed Dwayne Wade without outing Dwayne Wade. Um, I don't know why Chadwick Boseman was one of the judges, but there you go. But um, and then again, re- respect to Common uh, for for the ten from him. Do you think that they will uh, update the way that the dunk contest is judged moving forward, or will it remain the same? I mean, I mean, I would hope he. Um, I, I would hope they move to like decimal points now or something instead of just full on number. Like yeah. people are saying, oh, you got instead of going from fifty, now you got to judge it by hundred. The same problem is going to happen. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, I, I I don't think there should be overtime anymore. Aaron Gordon's gone to two overtimes now and lost both overtimes. He should be a two-time dunk champion. Um, I was very unhappy with Dwayne Wade's interview. I think it was a complex where he's like, oh, Aaron's not going to lose sleep over it. I'm sorry. The man put a lot of effort into this. He he released an, a, a song the same week. <laughs> he, had, he, he signed the 361 exclusive shoe deal. Yeah. And he's clearly been working on the on these dunks for who knows a couple of years because you know he did 2016 should have won then 2017 he has the drone fa- disaster failure so we don't see any of his dunks in that 
And so, you know, you have a couple years there where injuries come to play or he just didn't want to do them. And then I thought, obviously, if you're a Magic fan, you saw he had been dealing with injuries this season as well a little bit here and there. Right. And, you know, his play wasn't that great. His play overall this season has been worse than last season. So, you know, I didn't think he was actually going to do it until he actually agreed to do it. So, um do you gain more notoriety now in the short term, maybe, that by not winning and losing twice in controversy? Maybe, but long term, I mean, he's not the champ. He doesn't have the trophy. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's it's just it's just crap. I, I, I freaking hate it. And, yeah. And you know it's really bad when, um, well, one, Adam, Sandler's going, or Adam Silver's going absolutely crazy over Aaron Gordon's taco fall dunk. Right. And then... Two, all the players on Twitter by like an 80-85% majority thought that AG got screwed. Like Carl Anthony Towns has the tweet where it's a ski mask. <laughs> and then John Morant, like in a response to somebody that was tweeting at him to be in the dunk contest next season, he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm not I don't want to get fucked over like AG just did. So um and I think John Morant, he could do like mediocre dunks and he could probably win, unless he's going up against Zion Williamson, which maybe that'll happen, maybe that won't. But yeah. um I hope AG enjoyed his weekend. I saw you like a photo of him at an after, a video of him at an after party. He was having a good time. So, I I want I and obviously Magic Twitter and Magic Instagram was going at you know insane. Not just the fans, but obviously the players, his teammates were really pissed off. So, you know, can the Magic coming off vacations to Turks and Caicos and then getting mad at, at the AG situation? Can they bottle this anger and somehow come together and motivate themselves to? A strong push to the end of the season to these to get into the playoffs and whatnot. Well, I I think that coming into the season, we all thought that like the continuity um, and the fact that they brought literally everyone back uh, would would show itself and prove valuable. And to this point, it hasn't. So based on what we're seeing on the floor night in and night out, it's been kind of surprising. So I think it was refreshing to see visible support. Um, I'm you know. The locker room dynamics are what they are day to day, but I, I don't see why it couldn't in the short term uh, gel everyone together. And if we didn't start the season a step ahead, maybe we'll start the second half of the season a step ahead, right? Yeah. So, well, I'll get into the schedule in a second, but um, did you watch? Did you watch the All Star Game? Any chunks of it? A little bit, yeah. We like the. We think the All Star Game is is saved now, right? I. I mean, I. I watched the basketball tournament, so I the the Elam ending. It's great. Yeah, it never fails, right? It's, it can't fail, essentially. Yeah, chat except up. for ending on a free throw, right? So even then, though, there's the drama because yeah. you have all these. One, you have the pressure of all these kids like yeah. freaking out. Yeah. Anthony Davis has never had that much pressure on a free throw in his life before. I, have you ever shot a free throw in a in a packed gym with everyone watching you with any kind of like pressure attached to it? No. Uh, I'm. I'm sure you have. I, I mean, once or twice, not a lot. Uh, but like, I was gonna shit myself on the line. So you know, like the closest I got was, I think UCF intramurals. I think we. I had one instance where I had to yeah. make like a free throw or two. But um, yeah, it's. It was the most pressure Anthony Davis had been through, and I like the format. I like the charity situation. I like how you have the kids down there, and even if the kids end up with no money or hundred thousand. The losing team pitches in like at least a hundred thousand, which is what a Dedekumbo's team did. So, yeah. it's fine. These kids aren't aren't leaving crying or anything. They're getting money one way or another. And going to twenty four obviously was you know the, for the Kobe tribute and whatnot. Maybe it's long, but 
It, I mean, it, it was fine. Maybe ne- you know, next year it'll go quicker than this one because I think this one yeah. went like a, it was like a forty-one minute fourth quarter or something, yeah. which I enjoyed every second of it. And but I think the players did too, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, and you know, I'm sure some of the GMs or the coaches were freaking out, hoping that their guys wouldn't get hurt because it, it got rough there a little bit. Kyle Lowry's flopping and flailing like he's up against the Magic in the first round last season. Like it was, it was intense. So. Um, do you think that the Elam ending will ever come to regular season NBA play? But see, there's a lot of history with that. There's a lot of records with that. There's a lot of records. Here's the thing: if you can't, if you're not chopping down the season, yeah. Because I've been saying this for I think three, four years now. I think the regular season should be 66 games, not 82. What about mid-season tournament Elam ending? Do it. Yeah, it's yeah. a brand new thing. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, I look. I'm I'm the European guy. I like me some mid-season tournaments or late-season tournaments because if you're a shitty team and you got nothing to play for, you got something to invest in now potentially. And and obviously it's not the same thing as you know the NBA regular season to the playoffs, but you give it five years, ten years, fifteen years of doing like a, a tournament like this, it gains prestige. People give a damn. Yeah. Um. All right, so speaking of this supposed magic easy schedule coming out of the break, it's not that easy. So uh, they start Friday night against the Dallas Mavericks uh, here at home. Daryl Armstrong is going to become the ninth uh, person in the Magic Hall of Fame, inducted in the Magic Hall of Fame. Supremely deserved. I completely forgot he's been an assistant coach with the Mavericks for over a decade. Um, you know, I, 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 I knew he was an assistant coach. I just didn't realize it was for a decade. Like it's, it's gone that quick basically. Um, but supremely deserved. He's he's Mr. Harden Hustle, basically. Him and Bo Outlaw, you can flip a coin. But, I mean, Daryl was the captain of those teams, basically. Um, he's, I believe, still the only person ever to win sixth man of the year and uh, most improved player in the same season. That's never going to happen again, I don't think. I don't think so either. And so, now, and he did it at the age of 30 right. on top of that. I mean, again, how many guys that are... Picking up yarn shit, uh, you know, yarn shifts and <laughs> playing basketball professionally in Cyprus and like, yeah, you know, come and in, get into the NBA, get a shot, and then play, you know, nine years for the Magic and then a few more elsewhere. Like right. it's it's insane. And the pathway is so different now with the G League and everything. I don't think you'll ever see a story quite like that again. Now, the Magic franchise has been blessed with incredibly talented players over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, Daryl Armstrong, while talented, is not upper echelon. He did it on heart and hustle. I still think he's probably top five fan favorite, easily. Yeah. Spent. What kind of reception do you think that he will get from the tepid wine and cheese crowd on Friday night? I guess it just depends on how many of them were season ticket holders back then now, because... Is he going to get, will the whole uh, lower level provide a standing ovation? I don't think so. So they do it, they'll do it after the first quarter? I'm and assuming. Before the second yeah, quarter? Yeah. Man. Mild applause or more? God, I hope it's more. I, I hope it's a situation where the lower bowl is as good as the upper bowl. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. Because, again, there's enough old timers down there that have that, you know, that's not just wine and cheese crowd. Like they just moved to Orlando, like within the past fifteen years or something. Yeah. Like they've been there for twenty years and over. And so, I, I I'm gonna be pissed if he doesn't get a good reaction. Let's put it that way. He he deserves a huge reaction. Like I want to see tears coming down his <laughs> eyes, which could yeah. happen depending on his caffeine withdrawal as right. well. But um, I, it's it's awesome. I'm real happy for for Daryl, uh, the original Flash. Fuck off, Dwayne Wade. And um, 
Yeah, so, yeah, you got Luka Doncic coming into town that Friday. Um, the Mavericks are good. Yeah. Um, that's a tough game. If you can win that game, maybe you get the ball rolling because then you'll have won three games in a that's, row. I feel like that's a real mm. important game. Um, obviously, it, the it's bigger, probably not an important game, but it feels like well, it. Well, it does, especially when then you get a couple more days off and then you go to Brooklyn that Monday the 24th, which, depending on how Brooklyn's playing... That could that could be seventh place up for grabs right then and there. Right. So, um, maybe maybe they'll do okay, or maybe they'll you know they'll play better. You know, Dinwiddie and Levert without Kyrie Irving. We're gonna find out. Uh, and then I'll, I'll state a few more. But the Magic are at Atlanta. The Magic have already lost in Atlanta this season. Wasn't happy about that. That was one of those games where Fournier had supreme tunnel vision and basically lost us the game. Yeah. Um, then you host a frisky Minnesota Wolves team on Friday, February 28th. So they're riding a little bit better now because they got D'Angelo Russell now and Carl Anthony Towns is happy. They still can't defend much, but they'll score a ton. So again, yeah. supposedly winnable game, but that's that's not a gimme. There's no gimmies when you're the Magic right now and you're struggling without Jonathan Isaac and you're just trying to find a way to just get it going again because until Terrence Ross and until Nikola Vucevic are out of their slumps, Every game's up in the air. There's, there's no gimme. I mean, we lost to the fucking Knicks, you right, know? Right, yeah. So, um, and then it's like, okay, you have the Wolves. We'll give you a back-to-back in San Antonio the next night. The Spurs are trying to stay stay alive, continue their, what is it, 22 season in a row yeah. playoff streak. I'm going to go ahead and pencil Rudy Gay in for 25 that night. And then it's just, it, I mean, it, 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 gets, it doesn't get easier. Like, you start off March with a home game against Portland, Lillard may or may not be good for that because he's got the groin issue right now. But and then you have the Heat two nights later in Miami. Your chance at revenge against Derrick Jones Jr., who, who we didn't talk about this enough, but he he after he completed his last dunk thought he lost. Once Aaron Gordon completed his last dunk, thought he lost. So you know, and then Derrick obviously. Pat, you know, Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade were probably talking to him, trying to boost him up. You know, Adebayo was talking to him, to say, just don't, don't give in or whatever. And he's, he's saying, you know, AJ can come back next year if he wants to challenge him. Well, that's not going to happen because no. he's been screwed over twice. So, that's it for that. A um, few other things we'll to close out. Uh, so the Ringer came out with two podcasts recently tied to Dwight Howard and the Magic. The first one uh, wasn't their. It, it was fine. It was it was meh by their standards, which isn't great. Yeah. But uh, it was basically where they just talk about Dwight Howard's legacy. Um, it was you know Bill Simmons, Joe House, and Ryan Rosillo. Rosillo, I guess, doesn't think Dwight is a Sherlock Hall of Famer because he keeps throwing that out there like it's I, a thing. But yeah, that's not. He's he's first no ballot. He's right. first ballot. He he's a lock basically to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, the one that was a better podcast, I thought, but hurts like hell, was uh, going over Game 4 of the 2009 NBA Finals. This one was interesting. Um, where they got Kevin O'Connor, who I get, who is from Orlando and claims to be like the biggest Magic fan, which I have my doubts on that, but he's from Orlando. He's been to a lot of games, and he was at that game live, I guess, um, and... It's con- Bill Simmons kept sticking the knife in where he's calling it like the biggest choke job ever in finals history or something like that. Um, give me your thoughts on, on this because I, I can't say anymore because it, it hurts too damn I, much. I have a bunch of thoughts and they're going to jump all around so hopefully uh, our listeners have already heard that podcast. The first thing that irks me is uh, 
Michael Petras played for the Boston Celtics after he left Orlando, mm-hmm. and yet Bill Simmons repeatedly goes to the Pietras pronunciation. Well, Simmons in general is just bad with, with, he's, he's not with good. pronunciations. Yeah, yeah. But. So, uh, also, I think it's interesting because I feel like the 2008-2009 playoff run is seared into all of our brains as very huge Magic fans. Yeah. Um, and and obviously it's the, the most recent, most prominent run right. that we've had, right? Yeah. So it's always interesting to me when, like, Van Gundy goes on a pod or somebody else tied to the team goes on a pod. Like, Vince Carter, I think, with the, with the uh, Magic Pod Squad. Yeah. Where they conflate, like, years and games and stuff that obviously it all runs together because they don't quite remember yeah. exact specifics. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. regarding game four... Mm-hmm. Let's 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 backtrack. Regarding okay. the series, okay. the most important thing that I like to remind people of is that Jameer Nelson did not start a single game in the series. Correct. So that's the first sticking point that everyone goes, I can't believe they took Rafer out and put Jameer back in. The only and I'll I'll continue, right? Mm-hmm. The only minutes that Jameer took were the Anthony Johnson backup minutes. Now did Stan For the most part. Now did Stan not communicate appropriately with Rafer? That caused his play to dip? Possibility. Probably, because apparently Anthony... Well, not apparently. Anthony Johnson was furious the whole well, series, basically. Right. Is Jameer Nelson not a better player than Anthony Johnson? Even at yes, 80, he is. 80%. E- even with okay. a bum shoulder, right. he's better than Anthony Johnson. Now, as we look back on history, the first half of the 2008-2009 season mm-hmm. was literally the best basketball of Jameer's career. He yeah, was an he all-star. was an all-star because of it. Right. Yeah. The other thing. I want you to go back, and I want you to look at the two regular season games that he played against the Lakers yeah, that year. Yeah, he dominated them. He he, I he was the difference maker. In those I want to say that he he had like twenty eight points in both of those games. Oh, he torched and them. He was the reason that we won both of those games. So now, as a coach, if you're going, I got this in my back pocket. He's an upgrade over Anthony Johnson. Why would you not put him back in? Because the problem is, is he did end up taking up some crunch time minutes, or or his he took more minutes from from Rafer Alston than Anthony Johnson took minutes from Rafer Alston. Right. And even when Rafer Alston was, you know, they talk about that game four where he's one of eight or whatever. You still write him out because of defense, because he does not let Derek Fisher take that three. He just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. And so the other thing, and they pointed out too in that pod is. Are we sure Jameer Nelson's shoulder was fully okay? Because he really was hesitant, or his his shot wasn't there. His timing wasn't there. Yeah. And but so, to be fair, like, Rafer's shot was not there either. If you're talking about having... No. Rafer's best series was the Boston series. It was. Even and, in the Cleveland his, series. his best skill set was playmaking and assisting and setting up everyone right. else. So. But I still want Rafer's size over Jameer, especially right. late in the game. Because, one, it's not just good for defense. It's good for distribution, too, as well. Because right. of that height. Because he can carve through defenses. And so, again, I don't think Jameer should have played. And, I mean, even if, again, even on a bum shoulder, I think he's better than Anthony Johnson in that series. I still would have went with Anthony Johnson because you don't, you don't hurt what got you there at that point, in my mind. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in the podcaster slash blogger slash media minority for the most part. I think, you know, Philip Rossman Wright thinks Jameer should have played. You obviously, you know, you're you're for the most part okay with it. Well, I think um, it, like coming from a coaching perspective, and, I get it. And the only 
statistic, like the only thing that you have to judge the series on is the games that you played against the Lakers earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. He was by far the best player in both of those games. I, I know, but yeah. it's not. But it's somebody should have just kind of pointed out. And there's a difference between not playing him at all and not playing him in the final 11 seconds of a shitty defensive situation. Yeah, right. Which it it actually it was a good possession. It's just Jameer just had a a brain fart and left Derek Fisher open. So I have two more. Yep, bring the notes. Come on, bring the points. The the first one is that they they shit on. Now look, I'm I'm a Stan Van Gundy apologist, so I same. Oh no, same. Viva la Stan. Yeah. Yeah. They shit on his uh, inbound play design and execution, right? First of all, if you go back and watch the closing uh, uh, um, regulation, right? Possession or yeah. whatever. Okay. Yeah. The first one was the exact same play that we ran against the Cavaliers that got at home when Richard got the corner three or I think his toe was on the line. Regardless, the shot that the, basically clinched. The series basically yeah, too. Not, right. Because that was, not, that was not game, game six, four. But, right. But, but. Game three or four. I can't yeah, remember. Anyway. I think it was game four. But yeah. that basically gave us a 3 1 lead right. going to Cleveland. So that's a play that had worked for us throughout the postseason. Um, it got hung up, whatever. We had an extra timeout. We called the timeout. The very next play, he gets exactly what he wants. He's got Dwight Howard in the post with Kobe on his back and no one underneath him. Now, if you look at that play, Jameer Nelson's on the floor and his gravity has pulled Derek Fisher above right. so, so much that the pass was there that Hito didn't throw. Right, then, it was one of the yeah, it was one of Hito's uh, unclutch moments. Then basically. the ball gets inbounded to Petrus, who's not known for decision making. No. However, he did miss a wide open Richard Lewis in the corner, who would have had ample time to put up a three. And I like my chances there, regardless of how poorly he shot in the series. Yeah, right. I mean, he was Mister Clutch. I mean, he won so many games for us, especially in the Cleveland series. He won two games on his own in the Cleveland series. Now, so. the final point. This is not about the game or the series, but about the franchise as a whole. Uh huh. I'm not an Otis Smith apologist, but they did rag on him for getting rid of Turkaloo and swinging the Vince Carter trade. And I think it's important to remember that at the end of the 09 season, Mm -hmm. Turkaloo was a free agent. Yes. And he had played uh, well in 2008-2009, but not as well as he did the previous two years. Where he should have been an all-star 07-08. Yeah. So... He was due an albatross contract, which he ended up getting from Toronto and promptly stunk up the joint and then ended up in Phoenix where we reacquired him. However, and we di- we, we, we differ on our opinions also, on this. Also, maybe Otis knew more about the right. uh, PED situation that than we did, possibly too. Possibly so, that, too. So that, that plays a factor <laughs> in this. So I still don't do the trade. But. The, the, there's no debate about this in my mind. In Van Gundy's mind, in J.J. Reddick's mind, the 2009-2010 team was a better team than 08-09. More talent. More talent, but I... And a better team. I I personally disagree on that part, but it's... I mean, but they run, had the same win total as the 09 team. They so, did. but essentially, in the podcast, they're talking about the decision not to run back the 08 09 squad, and that they realized they had something special with long players, and they got rid of long, lanky players. Like, Which they did. I, I, I feel like if we ran back the exact same team, the results would not have been as good as the 09 10 season. I, I can't, I can't say the same thing. Oh, I can't agree, God. but. But to to that point though, yeah. Bill Simmons' complete bias is Kevin Garnett didn't play in '09, and right. then they beat us in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2010. So yeah. Boston Bill shows up in that. But right. it's an interesting re- uh, listen. It, overall, it's it's fair. 
It is. Go back and watch the Dwight free throws too. <clears throat> they're not they're not even bad free throws. Like there's no reason the first one shouldn't have dropped. Yeah, it's there's some ragging just to rag on it cuz again, I think Bill just doesn't like the magic and I think Rasillo doesn't. A lot of people don't like the magic. Yeah. So, um yeah, that that's it for that. So, a few final points. Um so Alex Martins uh got a land deal done basically where um, combined with some other land that the Magic had um, conveniently <laughs> around next to each other, uh, basically the Magic are going to build a new practice facility, which it's closer to Orlando City Soccer Stadium than the Amway Center. But, I mean, it's it's a very quick walk or an even quicker drive. You're in the car for like 30 seconds, basically. Um, and so they're going to call it uh, – what. It, it it's not called a practice facility. They're calling it something fancier, like a training or health or medical center. But yeah. it's basically another practice facility, and it sounds to me that it's going to be very similar to what like the Raptors and the Sixers and other teams have. I think they said the Pacers in the article was one of the things that it mentioned, and they're going to break ground, I guess, later this year. Hopefully, after they break ground uh, on the entertainment complex, which is supposed to happen like immediately once the off season hits for us finally. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, it's going to help with free agency in 2011. I doubt we're going to participate much this summer in free agency and like big heavy hitter stuff. But, um, if you can get that built real quick, uh, you, you know, you can, um, it'll be really appealing to, to, uh, to people that you're trying to bring in. And it's just weird how the magic are behind on state of the art stuff. Like when the magic, when Orlando built the arena and, you know, 87, 88, you know, it was known as state of the art. And literally because of the sky boxes being way up high within like three years, it's considered ancient because people realized, oh crap, the seats, the suite should be like in the middle of an arena. Yeah. Or now, you know, with the magic, when they opened in 2010, the Amway Center. The biggest video board in the world. (laughs) And then, well, then Houston and others kind of got in there, but, um, you know, the practice facility within the arena was a huge deal at the time. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, no, we need much bigger space now. You know, it, maybe with this facility opening, maybe they'll bring back Orlando Summer League, too. Who knows? You'll have two courts at least to work right. with now. Um, it's crazy to me. Uh, I mean, obviously, they have more than two hoops in the current on the current practice court. But it's crazy right, that, one they court. Did, yeah. that they did not pencil in enough space for two chords to begin with. But I do understand the appeal of having, uh, like, the the imaging and, and you know, all of the yeah. uh, health components closer to where you're no, it's living good, yeah. and working every day. If you need day. to give someone an MRI, you can do yeah. it immediately. Right. You don't have to go down the road to RMC or Florida Health or whatever. But um, it all this is leading up to ma- getting the All-Star game back here as well. You know, the all, counting what happened with Chicago, you're going to have like four straight years now of being in a very cold city, pretty yeah. much, for All-Star Weekend. So, and definitely by then, I-4's expansion will be done by then. So well, maybe. It, it'll be done. There's all enough right. people dying right now where it's got to be done, like now. <laughs> so, um, you know, talk about the schedule a little bit. It, I was I, I, I thinking about you know Aaron Gordon getting motivation to finish the season. I mean he's been great like the past couple weeks overall. Right. I was hoping that getting snubbed from Team USA would get him like a a bigger a better season overall. That didn't quite pan out. So I'm hoping that him getting screwed in the dunk contest doesn't mean now that he's going to actually revert to being too selfish and getting back to his bad habits. 
I want him to be as good as he's been the past couple weeks, basically. Well, we need it. And so we need it. And to finish off, because this was a big deal on, on Twitter, I want to get into airline seat etiquette. So, Penny, what is your personal airline recline policy or uh, etiquette s- yeah. situation for well, you? So, I, as you know, I'm a nervous flyer, right? So, my preference is a window seat, but oftentimes I will end up sitting in a middle seat so that my traveling companion gets the window seat and I can look over and do the uh, Julia Gulia Vegas, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I I go about six two. I'm not a large man, but yeah, I'm not a like small six, man. You're like six three. I know you right? say six two, but you're six three. I'm six uh, So I, when I when I saddle in, sidle into a, a airplane seat, oftentimes my knees are already touching touching the seat in front of me. I have never in my life reclined my own airline seat, even when the row behind me is vacant. And not even when you flew overseas? Not even overseas. Whoa, okay. However, the last time that I flew to London in the summer, I was in a middle seat. And the person in front of me reclined their seat for the duration of the eight hours. Oh, my God. And I was pretty, pretty pissed. But I did not touch the seat. Man. Yeah. Wow. So that's my policy. So pretty much for me, all domestic flights, I don't I don't recline my seat. Um the exceptions I would give is, one, if someone in front of you reclines, you can recline a little bit. Pretty much if you recline more than 50% of the way with your seat, you're an asshole. You are. Um, that's, that's just kind of my viewpoint. Um, you, you, like, I question your morals as a human being, basically. Um, now, if you get in a situation where you're, like, you're on a red eye and you're trying to sleep, all bets are off, I think, as far as um, at least being able to recline like halfway. Pretty much. Okay. Um, again, if you see people around you going full on recline, you can do it. But I mean, again, people don't, people really honestly don't realize how much space you're taking up when you're going all the way back. Like, even w- like when your head's back, you don't, you, you're, the seat next to you is pretty much literally right in your face, too. It's kind of like a hint, like, I'm really far back at this point. So, um, that's kind of, that's kind of my policy pretty much is I, I don't recline on domestic flights. If I do, it's maybe like an inch, maybe. And I even mean, then. What does that inch get you in terms of additional comfort? Like a couple degrees, yeah. so, which is, it makes a big difference. Yeah. It makes a little bit of a difference, but right. like the headrests on seats are, are, are great now in comparison to even what they were a couple of years ago. Like I fly Delta all the time and I love their headrests, so I don't have any issues there. Um, again, if you're in a situation where you're going to be sleeping or whatever, you can recline a little bit. But I mean, just just think about your 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 common man, your your com your fellow passengers, your fellow passengers, and yeah, you know, I don't like that the person that one took a video of the person punching them in their seat. Well, one, I didn't like the guy punching the seat. Two. You know, this person, this woman that was getting like famous, she's getting on talk shows all the time because she literally videotaped herself, you know, with the recline situation the yeah. way it was. So that's it. That's uh, that, that's all we got. Again, the Magic are twenty four and thirty one. Um, ooh, did I just get see a DJ Augustine update? All right, this is uh, from Josh Robbins. Um, Steve Clifford said the team won't know about DJ Augustine's availability for Friday's game until Friday. So. 
Augustine may uh, may come back, which may or may not be a good thing for, for us because that may or may not mean that uh, Michael Carter-Williams is playing alongside him in the backcourt or t- taking his minutes away. So we're going to find out. But, uh, yeah, that's that's it for us. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. And so, uh, you know, we appreciate listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. And, uh, oh, shoot, we have questions, don't we? <laughs> that's what you're leading me to on that. All right, two quick questions. So... From uh, Jonathan at the underscore John DeLorean. I don't watch The Mandalorian. I don't have Disney Plus. So, um, But how can this team build on the success of the last two games? And without Isaac, what chance do we really have at stealing a single game in the playoffs? Penny. Uh, we, we can build on success by uh, having Aaron Gordon not resort to one-on-one play and showing off his new signature shoes. And making and, open shots. Right. I think that we can steal a game if we play anyone other than the box yeah right? anyone That's... anyone other than milwaukee i think we're okay yeah maybe even the raptors as much as the raptors have had our number you know and they've been playing amazing like i think we could take a game against any of them yeah. basically so the other question comes from matt jensen at magic royal are the offensive woes simply good shooters not making shots and will augustine's return help that what do you think well, Augustine isn't he isn't shooting as well as he was last season as a whole. Now he did find his shot a little bit once he got his jersey retired, and you know he he'd done well uh, on a few trips here and there. Um, at some point, Ross and Vooch are gonna make their shots. It's gonna happen. We're getting the same amount of looks that we're getting basically last season, even though some people question that based off of analytics or whatnot. It looks like the same amount of shots to me, same amount of open looks. They're just not hitting them. Um, and so I, I just think I think they're gonna go. I, I think if they can just bond a little bit together and just focus on on this last stretch of the regular season like they did last season, I think the, those shots are gonna drop. And I think DJ, as much as Mike, as as much as, much as MCW has been great overall for the most part on both ends, we do need a shooting to spread the floor. Yeah. So I don't know if you got anything else than that. I, but. I save for Terrence Ross, who's taking more contested shots. I think the quality of threes across the board are good, and you're banking on career averages coming into play. So I, I I'm anticipating that there's enough shooting to revert back to that. And hopefully we'll get hot in the second half. Yeah, so tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go Magic, take care, and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. yeah.